I am ready. I am ready too. Who are we and what are we ready for? I'm Erica. I'm Emily. And we're ready for Glee Casting. We're ready for Glee Casting number six. six. Number six. Uh, episode number 19. I honestly don't remember. I don't think the episode needs a number because I think everybody will agree that this is the episode of all episodes I to think end all episodes of episodeness of anything. Yep. Uh, this is the episode directed by one Joss, Joss Whedon, Whedon. Uh, and guest, guest starring, starring one Mr. Neil Patrick Harris. Mr. Neil Patrick Harris. Doogie Howser himself. That's right. Uh, along with a few other guest stars. Uh, Molly Shannon was back. Yeah, she was in there. As was the guy whose name I wrote down, because I never know his name, even though I really like him. Um, John Michael Higgins. Uh, John Higgins yeah, yeah, Michaels. Yeah. Higgins Michaels. The John. guy who did that um, ill-fated show with Molly Shannon on NBC. I totally didn't know they ever had a show. Yeah, oh, the one the about one where they the dressed like women from the 80s. Yeah. It was a remake of an Kath Australian show. It just looked really annoying. Kath it was, and Kim. It, it wasn't that bad. It was fun. It was on was, before The Office. It was on before some so, show yeah. that I watched, so I used to catch the last like two minutes of it, and I kind of wanted to kill someone watching it. But I'm sure it wasn't as bad. It was just no, one of those out of context. It was painful. Yeah. No, he was a lot of fun on that. I, yeah, I like him. And, um... Obviously, we had Jonathan Groff back, and we did, and Idina Mendel as well. And we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we are. How do we? Way ahead of ourselves. I'm sorry. It's just a very exciting episode, as I think everybody knows. Like, and I think that's part of the reason why our feedback is very light this week. That's it is why like, our, our feedback should be crazy heavy because it was an amazing episode. I was kind of shocked. I'm yeah. wondering if people were just like, I have no words because this episode was everybody so was good. rendered speechless by this episode. I think so. I think so. Um, but I, as Lisa says here, we'll jump right into our first We're going to jump into our first from Lisa. email email from Lisa, who was a special guest star host last week. Yeah, she did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lisa says, I unfortunately don't think I can form any coherent thoughts on the episode Dream On. There was so much amazingness in this episode. My brain can't sort it all out. It was very busy. I, it was very busy identifying all the Whedon-y shots and loving the songs. I think she has a typo. I think it's no, 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 no. Her brain is it in this oh, case. Oh, 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 See, oh, she oh. is grammatically correct. Okay, I was very confused. Obviously, I'm still having trouble reading. I'm not used to this yet. It was very busy identifying all the Whedon-y shots and loving the song choices of this episode. Some favorite parts. Rachel dancing Lori's dream ballet and Artie later dancing his own version of it in Safety Dance. Artie's whole storyline this week was handled so masterfully by God Whedon. Um, dwelling on emotional points just long enough and punctuating the happy moments with sudden beats of sad reality. See end of safety dance and dream a little dream. Now I cry. Yes. NPH and Matthew Morrison do both Billy Joel and Aerosmith brilliant. Now I wet myself. (laughs) You'd think I'd have these Glee song choices figured out, especially after Home. But I spent the whole episode after the first mention of Les Mis trying to guess what song from the show would pop up. Um, clearly the, the one that mentions dream, but not <laughs> once, but twice in the title, regardless. Wait, 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 wait. This episode was about dreams? It was. Oh my God. I totally <laughs> didn't realize that. Much tears were had at this beautiful duet between Idina Menzel and Leah Michelle. On the topic of unlikely pairings, can I pick Brian Ryan and Sue Sylvester? Why, why did they have to retreat to Sue's letterman room to do their dirty deeds? My actual pick for unlikely pairing would be very slash fictiony pairing of Rachel and Mr. Shue. How delightfully devious. And illegal. Yeah, very illegal. Looking forward to hearing some Gaga next week. Should be good. P.S. Great show last week. The guest host of yours sounded hot. (laughs) Sounded hot and was hot. Was so hot. Uh, Now, a few things in her email. One about the Les Mis song choice. I, too, was 
I, I think I knew I dreamed a dream was going to be sanged, sung. Sanged. Um, I never can remember that, and I'm supposed to be a grammar person. <laughs> uh, but there were a. Am I thinking of Lame Is or I'm thinking of other songs? There were so many songs that could have been sung in this episode and See, were hinted at. I'm not at all familiar with Lame Is, so. <laughs> well, not even from that, but even like when. Um, Will and uh, NPH are talking about, you know, what they're going to sing for the audition. Mm-hmm. And they're both like, I was going to sing The Impossible Dream. And again, I almost was like, well, then why didn't you? Because <laughs> I would have loved to hear The Impossible Dream. Because it's, again, one of those great male songs. And it would have been neat to hear that as a duet. But they didn't. And, and I feel like that's one of those very Whedon things is to, like, tease you of things to come and then not fulfill. Right. Right, but right, to right. just tease you with them, that's that, I feel like that's just And then him. give you something that's just as good, if not yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, on to the Brian Ryan, Sue Sylvester pairing. <laughs> would you have wanted to watch that, Erica? No! <laughs> well. No, I would have been very, I mean, I would have been all distracted by the MPH goodness, but then Sue Sylvester would have gotten in there, and I would have been very distraught. I mean, let, let's talk about what that would have been like to actually, let's, let's go, um... A little bit, uh, NC-17 <laughs> Cinemax. Well, Cinemax or NC-17, or NC-17. What are we going with? Are we going with, like, softcore, or are we going to see, um, stuff that you wouldn't normally see? Well, on Fox, or will we, there be would been, we would have been softcore on Fox. Well, on, well, on, yeah, but I'm just saying, I don't know. What do you think that was like? It was ang- anger sex. It was definitely angry sex. I don't know. I don't want to picture it. I don't want to put those thoughts in my mind. How long? How long? Probably not very long. It doesn't sound like Brian Ryan is very happy in his marriage. So I feel like Sue Sylvester is a no-nonsense woman. Like I don't think anything takes longer than five minutes with her. Yeah. Who was on top? Sue. Probably. Just something to wonder, Uh, listeners. If you have thoughts (laughs) on that, get as graphic as you like. I I know some of our listeners like getting graphic. I'm just saying. Uh, You can share it with GleeCast at gmail.com with a K. In the GleeCast, mm-hmm. not in the Gmail, because there's no silent there's K, no K in, Gmail. in Gmail. Um, and I think that was uh, all Lisa had to say. Yeah, that was everything Lisa had to say. Yeah. Uh, our next bit of feedback is an answer to our question of the week, and our question of the week, which Lisa brought up, unlikely pairings on Glee. Last week we had Puck and Mercedes. Uh, who else would you like to see together? And McLovin Horror wrote, Will and Sue should just get it over with already. That would be frightening. But really appropriate. Like it would be appropriate. But I, I but I don't think their tension really reads as sexual tension. Yeah, is it all tension, sexual tension? I don't think so. I think I think it's angry tension. So like back in uh, college when I took a lot of playwriting classes, our instructor always used to say every bit of like theater is always a fight or fuck mentality. Like every scene should either be a fight or a fuck. So, I mean, the other idea is to combine the two. And I think Will and Sue, I could see it happening in one of those, like, if Joss Whedon were to come back and uh-huh. guest direct, you know how he did, um, uh, we're going to talk Buffy for a brief moment. Season four episode, uh, oh, 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 the wind beneath my wings, the episode where all their dreams, where Willow makes a wish and it's uh, like restless. an alternate reality. No, 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 no. Oh, um, um, the one uh, where Buffy and Spike are briefly engaged, it. and Giles I know loses what you're talking about. sight, Hang and on. Xander gets hunted by demons. Uh, it's something with blue in the title because it's all about the wedding. Anyway, it was like a total fan fantasy of Buffy and Spike together, which at the time nobody thought would happen, but then of course later on it did happen. Uh, I feel like eventually he could come back, and if Sue and Will ever do get it on, Joss Whedon is the man to stage it. 
I, I can get behind that. I'm looking up the name of the episode. So keep talking. Keep Some, talking something blue. Something blue? Was maybe? it some, just something blue? I think so. Something blue. Yes! I win. Um, now, on to our question of the week, then, which was indeed... What unlikely pairing would you like to see in the Glee world? Mm-hmm. Now, I thought of, well, two, but really they're, um, it's like one, and then the other one is just a character with anybody. It's not <laughs> a character, and I bet you know who I'm talking about. I'm sure I do. You probably do. But, uh, oh, oh, and, and Christian, according to Twitter, wow, we're live and, and up to speed. Christian is sending in his Glee response right now. We have more feedback. We have live feedback. We have live feedback. We have live feedback. We are going to go to the phones, a.k.a. my computer, uh, where we get feedback. <laughs> that's my live feedback sound effect. Uh, that's right. Best produced. That's right. Sound effects. Handmade. Uh, it's, it's, it's like CGI versus Rick Baker right here. Uh, anyway, Christian writes in his answer to our question of the week. <clears throat> his pairing would be the OCD teacher hooking up with the Glee teacher's ex-wife. That should be interesting. So Emma and Terry. Emma and Terry. Huh. I don't it's know. Funny, I, don't I was think... thinking Terry for this question. I'm like, I, I feel like Terry. Oh, I know what I. Th- I just remembered my unlikely pairing. <laughs> but Emma and Terry. I, I mean, it would be very. I, I um Emma and Terry, I don't know because Emma hates Terry so much. Yeah, that I don't know. It would be really work. hard. Like as it is, Emma doesn't like people touching her. Mm-hmm. So I think somebody that she hates touching her would be very, very hard for her to deal with. But I mean, Christian likes hentai and all that like hardcore stuff. So yeah, well, I'm just assuming a, he likes. He has another one there, which he does. Why don't you read his other one? His other one is oh Kurt and Puck. And I am betting he is a closeted. I am betting he's a closeted homosexual. Now, I I don't. I, I feel like Puck could swing both ways. Puck think, could totally oh, be bi. Yeah, I yeah. I don't think he's totally a homosexual, but he could definitely be bi. No, like sure. the way Santana is like kind of like you know whatever fluid sexuality. It's all good. Kinsey scale in the middle. I feel like Puck could do that because Puck would just like through like we know this week his dream is a threesome. Exactly. I, I don't think he, I feel like his initial walking would be like if Santana was like, hey, threesome, but by threesome, it's me, you, and Finn. He'd be like, whoa, no, but give him like five minutes. He'd be like, yeah, all right, fine, that's cool. I'm Puck. I'm still straight, even though I'm on the fence. Like, it it could, yeah, I could see that. Uh, My pairing was, one would just be, I think, um, Puck and Brittany. Because even though I'm guessing they've already hooked up since, according to Brittany, she was going for the perfect record, so we think she's kissed everybody. But I just think, um, not so much personality-wise, but I feel like the two of them in in more scenes together could be really funny. Yeah. Because they're both just such amusing characters and have such great, like, random one-liners. Yeah, one-liners. Yeah, that, like, the two of them dating, like, Puck would be very mean to her. She wouldn't realize. Mm -hmm. It would be amusing for us to watch. Yes. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one more, but who's Oh, you yours? want me to give one of mine? Sure. I actually, I have two now. Um, one is, like Lisa's, very fangirly and slash fictiony, and it's Kurt and Jesse. Oh, yeah. I would love to see that. And not just because Jonathan Groff is actually gay, which I didn't know before last week, which we discussed in the forums. Uh, oh, yeah. Forums Go to our forums. Popsyndicate.com. Slash forums. Uh, lots of good talk about the uh, Newsweek article yep, and yep. other things, including the dream I had that somehow United saw in Glee. But um, 
you know, like I like I said, when Jesse St. James first appeared on the screen, I thought he was a gay character, and I really I would like I want Kurt to have a love interest, which apparently we're going to have next season, mm-hmm. so my my dream will be fulfilled. But I I think it would be fun if the two of them and they would together. look good together. They would, yeah, because yeah. Jesse's a little bit taller, Kurt's a little more feminine. Right, they both have that like you know like good looking live. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I hear it. Strong um, bone structure. They're very very sharp, but they're like. It would be like if they had a kid. Well, oh He'd wait, look like a that doesn't actually. Happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if, if both of their sperm mixed, I like that. He would, he would be very sharp, very sharply. Chiseled. I went along with it. I was like, yeah. Both of us in our dream world could indeed see that. Well, I mean, it's the future. There's stem yeah, cell research. I mean, according to Emma, though, all of this research is like any medical research you hear about now is like you know Not a lifetime in before it's going to happen to you. So, cancer being cured? I don't think so. We'll talk about that in a yeah. minute. Um, so my other, other pairing. pairing. Now, as we know, I'm a bit of a Mike Chang fan. <laughs> and first of all, I would really like to hear him speak. Cause, uh, <laughs> have we heard him speak? No, he's just mimed things. No, he's just mimed <laughs> things and mimed reactions, as has, as has Mike, Mike Rutherford. Matt. Or Matt Rutherford. God damn it. I'm so racist. Um, but yes, both of them would be nice to hear them speak. Uh, I just want Mike Chang to have somebody... Because, I mean, we had a lot of Mike Chang in this episode, which we'll get to when we officially delve into the You would like him to have somebody to love, if you will. I I want to find him somebody to love. (laughs) Yes, I do. Um, Now I I feel like he needs a storyline first. Yeah, but, I mean, this could be an easy storyline for him to have. It could be. Now, a lot of things could happen. I'm thinking, like, I don't know who he goes well with because I really don't know what his personality is. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say Tina just because I don't want you it to be the whole, to... like, oh, just because they're Asian means they're going to have a good, you know, love story there. Uh, I'm thinking, plus, am I right or wrong? Do they have the same last name? Is Tina's last name Chang? Um, I don't know. I could look. You could Okay. Um, the other uh, thing being, like, well, maybe, well, who would I like to see him with? Man, not Rachel. I just don't see it happening. Oh, no, I don't no, know. No. She's too short for him. Maybe Quinn. Know? Oh, I didn't think of Quinn. That could work. Uh, I was thinking maybe Mercedes. I feel like Mercedes should be like hot goods now. Like all the guys might. might Apparently. Interesting know. tidbit. Oh, my. Apparently Tina is both Asian and Jewish. Her last name is Cohen-Chang. Cohen-Chang. Oh, Oh, that's fantastic. That is a story in the making. Yeah. So I've totally changed mine to Tina and, and Puck. Puck. <laughs> Tina and Puck have to be the new Jewish power couple. Yes, they do. That would be fantastic. Who knew? I, I totally didn't know that. That's just one of those random things you don't know unless you look at IMDb. Uh, and is is Artie, like, is the half the cast Jewish? Is Artie Jewish also? What is, is Artie's last, last name? His last name is Abrams. Abrams can be a very Jewish last name. I don't know. You know Jewish better than me. Abrams is definitely uh, a Jewish last name. I mean, I've had clients named Abrams and Cohen. Erica works with a a fair population of Jewish people in Long Island. I work in a very, very Jewish area, i.e. Long Island, but yeah. The, uh, okay, so I'm Tina and Puck. Uh, Mike and, like I said, Mike and anyone. Maybe maybe Mike's gay, so maybe Mike and Kurt. We don't know. Maybe Mike and Kurt. Mike and Kurt could be a nice little couple. I was thinking Mike and Matt. If that was my initial thought, but then I'm like, no, I want Mike and Matt to actually have a love triangle with another character. Okay. I want it to be like Mike, Matt, Mercedes, or something, because mm-hmm. then it would be like the triple M's. It'd be like <laughs> there could be a total great song and gang fight about it. I don't know why it has to be a gang. Like I'm thinking the dance off fight. Ooh. Oh my god, there has to be a dance off. I think Matt is also a dance. I think he was hired for his dancing. 
You think? Well, I, <laughs> I haven't heard him sing once. Well, I know, but he's just sort of there, and he hasn't been soloed dancing much, no, as opposed to Mike, yeah. who is clearly a dancer. Um, yeah, I have a bone to pick about that later. I have that in my notes. Oh my! But um, we'll get there. All right. So my you last pairing, one. I have another pairing, is um, Will's ex Terry. Mm-hmm. And yes, 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 yes. Um, and Brian Ryan. Because we find out yeah. this episode that Brian Ryan had a crush on you her. Know, she's the one who got away. So I think it could be super interesting if, you know, next season Brian Ryan comes back. His wife divorced him because he started acting and mm-hmm. singing again. And he hooks up with Terry. I think that could be crazy fun. I, I can get behind that. Or maybe Brian Ryan and the woman that was singing Big Spender in the audition. Because I'm going to get to her. I loved this woman. Was a special lady. She was a fantastic woman. All right, so let's uh, let's take a break and okay. come back and do our glee cap. We will. All right, bye for now. That's okay. You just gave me this heaviness and I wasn't ready for it. You were holding the microphone. You looked ready. I know, but I'm always holding it. I, I was like Rachel. I was born with a microphone ready. in hand in fifth Your position. Your dazzled microphone. Oh, God. I wish. Can we be dazzled these microphones or will that affect the sound quality? Uh, as long as we don't touch the top, I think we'd be okay. Okay. Well, we know what I'm doing next week. All right. A glee cap of episode 19. <clears throat> Here we go. McKinley High gets a visit from school board member Brian Ryan, a guest star of all guest stars, Neil Patrick Harris, former Glee Club superstar and past rival of Will Schuster. Having experienced mild success singing on a cruise ship only to quickly descend into crack addiction, Brian Ryan now advocates an anti-Glee world, going so far as to run a show choir conversion group. Eager to cut the school budget, or just eager to destroy Glee, Brian Ryan visits rehearsal wherein he asks the hopeful young stars of tomorrow to write down their dreams and throw them away. For very few, okay, according to him, none, will ever see them come true. Will makes it his mission to renew Brian Ryan's love of Glee by convincing him to audition for a local production of Les Miserables. His faith renewed, Brian Ryan announces new direction security, going so far as to shower the kids with tear-away pants and sheet music. Joy is short-lived when Sue shares the news that Will has been cast as the Les Mis lead and Brian Ryan has been relegated to the chorus. 
His budget-backed peanuts will sacrifice his star turn for the safety of the club, and Brian Ryan eagerly leaps away to harness his inner French tragic hero, Jean Valjean. Meanwhile, we see Artie and Tina's relationship get even more adorable when the latter tries to convince our wheelchair-bound stud that there may be a future to his dancing legs. Hopes are raised, then dashed, by guidance counselor Emma's realistic talk-down. And though they continue to bond, Artie can only sing and watch his lovely tap-dancing amour soft shoe away with the spry Mike Chang. Lastly, Jesse St. James returns to make Rachel's dreams come true, namely her quest to find her birth mother. In a twist everybody saw coming, but not quite, Shelby, vocal adrenaline Corcoran, proves to be the mysterious fetus carrier in question, revealing to the audience that Jesse was under instructions to befriend Rachel in order to slip her a cassette recording of Shelby singing her con- to her contractually separated daughter. And that's what you missed, or probably didn't, since this episode had better ratings than most other shows on Glee. 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 Okay. Okay. Um, so let's talk about Brian Ryan and Will. Let's talk about Brian Ryan and Will. Um, um, first of all, MPH got to do magic, which was amazing. That was pretty amazing. Um, it was in my high points that I <laughs> I can't get over how the opening scene, like, again, we do. Everybody knew going into this that this was going to be an episode of all episodes. Yep. And the fact that not only did the first episode give us a flashback with mullets, mullets. and magic, it also gave us the monkeys. Yes, it did. Uh, anybody mullets, magic, and the monkeys. And the monkeys. That, that is my, like, 3M for the win. Pretty much any gentleman out there looking to woo either one of us. You um, just need yeah. a mullet and magic and, and, and monkeys. monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my first crush ever, some of you know, before Gary Carter, before Fred Savage, before Viggo Mortensen... It was Davy Jones from the Monkees. Who we've met. Who we've met. And his photo is hanging out <laughs> on my bathroom wall. So if anybody ever comes over to pee, Davy Jones is smiling down at you. Yes. That's right. Uh, so needless to say, that made me happy in the beginning. <laughs> yep. Uh, what did you think of Brian Ryan as a character? I, I liked him a lot. I, um, I think he had a number of really great lines. Um, for example, apparently Lima has a West Lima crack district. Who knew? Who knew? Who and did know? <laughs> I love that then he found Jesus as Andorran caseworker. That's right. Which was great. Um, and I, I just, one of the questions that his character raised, though, was uh, apparently just because you like to sing and you're in the Glee, Glee Club, you want to be a star. Yeah. Which I was like, not, no. Because... I, I was, yeah, because you have, like, Tina saying, this is what I want to do with my yeah, life. Yeah, but and I don't believe that. Really, Tina, like... You know, yes, you have a cute voice, and apparently you're a very good dancer, mm-hmm. which we didn't really know. But, you know, the stuttering still... Yeah. I, I, like, I was in chorus, but I didn't want to be a singer. Like, I was in it because it, it was an extra class to take. Like, it was fun. All my friends did it, so I did it, too. And we got to go to Virginia Beach. So, like, I, I don't quite get right, I mean, that correlation. I, obviously, we know that Rachel has dreamed of this her whole life. Right. Uh, we but know Finn, Finn was blackmailed into joining right, the Glee Club. Right. He doesn't want to be a big star. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what Finn's dream was, do we? Yeah, do no, we, we don't, because Finn had all of one line this episode, and it was at the end. That's right. It was actually kind of funny. Did <laughs> yeah. he die? Yeah. No, that uh, was Puck. Finn's came oh, after that. But... What was... Okay, I don't remember his name. I don't know. It was like him, Quinn, and, and Puck all had one-liners okay. at the, in the last scene, and like that was it. But okay. I, well, I, I know, know Quinn's dream was Finn's, no stretch marks. Finn's was... Um, I mean, Finn's line at the end it was uh it was just thanking mr schuster for giving up the, oh, okay for wow. giving up the role for them he's such a nice young man yes um, um the we know that puck's dream was a threesome, threesome which yes. i find ironic that he hasn't participated yet um and 
But yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I was very surprised that Tina's dream was indeed performing. Yeah. Tina, start, you, honey, you got to start working harder. If you got to hit those like, high notes if, if, if you want to make it on Broadway. If there's anyone who needed a reality pep talk during this episode, I think it was Tina and not Artie. But yeah. we're getting ahead of ourselves. We are, we are. But I mean, Brian Ryan, I, I, I pretty much, I, oh, it was just so good. It was. And I mean, Neil Patrick Harris is, I think, if anybody is going to bring about world peace in this world, oh, it, it may is. very well be Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. Uh, I think he is, uh, Entertainment Weekly had a pretty good article a few months back on him mm-hmm. and how, like, what a juggernaut he is that, he really is. how did a, an awkward child actor, musical theater performer, out, out, out gay man become the coolest man in America? Yeah. And, oh, can we comment on that? I mean, I'm pretty sure he played straight flawlessly, and it wasn't a caricature. It was not a caricature, and I bought it the whole time. Thank you, Randall Lou Scum. Yeah, whatever your name was. Because that was one of his critiques of his character, Barney Stinson. Right. Oh, it's a comedy. Oh, it's a caricature. caricature. Right. Yeah, well, he played straight perfectly fine on this episode. I believe that he was a married man, even though he liked musical theater. Exactly. Exactly. To you. Hey, man, we all have our own porn. For some, it's playbills. What can yeah. you do? There's some yeah. pretty headshots of women in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, everything. Every time Neil Patrick Harris was on screen, you you just you were happy. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, get, I I don't know how much of that is. Obviously, him and Joss Whedon have worked together before, so Joss Whedon very much. I don't. I don't but then I don't know. I, I would actually like to see some of the behind the scenes stuff on this episode because mm-hmm. I'm really curious. Was there any improv or, you know, how much of it was just kind of grooving on MPH? How much was grooving on Whedon? I don't know, but it, whatever it comes down to, he had chemistry with everybody Every, he yeah, was on everyone. camera with. Yeah. From Will to Sue. It, he was just great. Loved it. Um, and, you know, Will, I liked Will a lot in this episode. He felt yeah. like old school Will. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. It, Will felt like Will again. Like, he wasn't, you know... I, he wasn't moping about relationships. Right. He was excited he about doing something. He wasn't just tearing up at his kids. And, yeah. Yeah, like he was excited to audition. He was excited to be performing again, which we haven't seen him do really since, I guess, Acafellas. Um, But at the same time, like, you know, it was all about the kids ultimately. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's Will. So can, like we, that. can we talk about his wardrobe for a second? Oh, I put that on my, <laughs> on my, on my notes. It's in there. what... He goes to this audition for Les Mis, and he's wearing a white V-neck t-shirt, khakis, and a black vest. What was that vest? And he was wearing a vest earlier in the episode, too. What? Why like, do he was keep, all about the vest. Why do they keep putting Will Schuster in vests? Who wears vests? Is this vests? new? I never noticed it until this episode. I feel like... I feel like this half of the season, his clothing has gotten progressively worse because I've definitely mm. like made note of it in my head, been like, "What are they? What is he wearing?" Like, I've never looked into the costume design of Glee, but I, I think I've never paid attention to it. But it's always been there, yeah. And especially with characters like Mercedes, we talked about how, like, well, Mercedes, you know, when she was a cheerleader, you were like, "Where are her hats?" And Rachel, and like, Rachel with and her animal even sweaters. Already this episode, I noticed a lot, and but I think it all works for the kids. But with Will, I feel like they can't find a place for him. Maybe in, not, because normally like, he's wearing like this, the whole like sweater with the collar trousers. Yeah, yeah, which right? isn't bad. I'm fine with that. But is it like maybe it's summer now? It's warmer, so they're putting him in t-shirts and vests. Yeah. I don't know. It was you know weird. what I wonder? I wonder if um, the costumes, because I don't know why. And part of it is just this is a very Whedon episode. Suddenly, I am so reminded of Buffy's costume design. 
Really? Cause, yeah, because Buffy's... The thing about Buffy's... Um, on Buffy the Vampire Slayers, their costumes was every character totally had their own, like... You always, if you saw any of those clothings on a shelf, you would easily be able to say, that's Anya's, that's yeah. Willow's, and so on. And with Glee, that's very much similar. Yeah. And, like, you know, Rachel's is very Willow-esque, I think. Except that she's, it's Willow-esque, but I think it's... It's like season one, two Willow. But I think it's a little more, I don't want to say sexualized, but it is. Like, her skirts are shorter and tighter than Willow's yeah, her, were. Yeah. But it's also, it's very, I can't think of it, it's very geeky. But it's uh, but for Rachel, I, maybe just because I, I don't know, maybe Leah Michelle has like a tighter body than Willow did, than mm-hmm. than Alison Hannigan did. But I feel like I, her legs are always out, even though she's wearing like knee socks, knee socks. But with and that, flats. which also often accents your legs if you wear knee yeah. socks with like the shorter skirt. And like her her sweaters are always tight. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like Willow's clothing. Willow was in overalls for most of season true, one and season true. two, and big which, baggy sweaters as and blossom. Kurt's hats. already advised. Uh, he advised Mercedes back in, like, episode, like, five not to ever wear overalls. Oh, Although, yeah. as we talked about, he wears them Then he wears them. But, yeah, different. whatever. Right. Um, but, yeah, I feel like, I, yeah, I definitely think you could look at, at the, war, the wardrobe. And know who's and know who's, 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 yeah. who's, you know. But um, that's a good point about Wills. Because I, I don't know if maybe this episode they were trying to, like, tap into sort of his, like, rock star-ness. What a vest. Because, <laughs> no, he definitely wore the vest or a vest when they were at, when they were singing Piano Man, I think. Didn't they? Maybe I don't, I don't remember. This was definitely. I definitely noticed it specifically during. I the think audition. he wore it at least. He wore a different vest earlier in the episode. Like he was all about the vest this week. However, when well, I guess we're gonna we'll talk about that later in the performance. But um, when we talk about the songs, I'll talk okay. about I'll talk more about Will and his clothing choices. Uh, well, okay, we will because I maybe we have different opinions on that. But um, so yeah, Will Will and his vests. I mean, I... Sorry, but, I went off on a tangent we did, but you know what? wardrobe. It, it also reminded me that we forgot that opening, um, the flashback, how great the costumes were. Oh, my God. They were amazing. Because that was... I guess Will was supposed to graduate in 93, I think. So that was like 1991, mm-hmm. I guess it would have been. Yeah. Because he was two if years MPH older. MPH was a senior. So, yeah, 91 was still mullety. It was still like Very, sweater, oversized yep. sweater and silk shirt. That silk shirt. I that was totally remember going to a school dance in, this was, it would have been a little later. And it would have been like when I was in sixth grade, it would have been 1994, 90, 93, 94. Mm-hmm. And I remember like wearing a yellow silk collared shirt with a vest over it. So I had like the shirt with the design and then the sheer sleeves. Oh yeah. That were long sleeves with a with a cuff at the end around the wrist, mm-hmm. but the the actual sleeve itself was sheer. That so sexy. That was scandalous. Yeah. I mean by by early 90s standards, whoa. <laughs> uh should we move on to the next big well, or no? We, we could t- we didn't really touch on um Brian I I and Sue, because Sue kind of played into this storyline. You're right, story Sue line. actually, Sue was very much like a uh, plot filler. Like, she was but, definitely there to progress a lot of things, but... But I feel like, again, the way you said you feel like this was old school Will, I feel like this was a return to old school Sue, too. Because in the past few episodes, have we really seen Sue trying to take away the Glee Club? Like, we haven't. She right, kind of lost that for a little mm-hmm. bit, because we were very focused on the kids and their outside of the school relationships and all that. And um, I like that even though she wasn't really there, her presence was very much felt because she, I don't know if she's the one who necessarily brought in Brian Ryan. It seemed like that from their scene together. Yeah, their scene together definitely made it feel like, you know, she had a hold on him and and she was the one who was like, you need to get him to to Right, come here and check this out. You need to come and and cut the glee club. So I I really like that, 
even though we haven't really had that much of her lately, she that still she's had still a presence in there. Very much overhanging the entire episode. And I mean, her, I mean, she had, I guess, what, like two scenes, and they were both yeah. very good, as usual. They were, had her little zingers and everything else. And I know we're gonna, I know we're gonna touch on, on this because it, it leads into the next thing, but the scene, the Brian Ryan and Sue Sylvester scene in her office, just the lighting was incredible. Like, I was, so in love with that scene because you have the like like the sun setting with the with the vertical blind not vertical blinds with the horizontal horizontal blinds, blinds. it's the opposite of vertical <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna say venetian blinds but i can't remember what venetian, venetian blinds no i think are. venetian blinds are are vertical blinds okay well anyway you have the light like like the the late day light coming through the window and it's just it's just casting vertical lines on both of them and it was so like film noir and it was such like a you know a, a down and dirty dealing type of scene mm-hmm. it, it, like and i felt like the whole episode had a very over a very film noir overcast I, I, you know i i didn't think about that but yeah like, I, I didn't notice it when i watched it but it probably did like feed into that scene being like you know kind of dark yeah and sexy and the episode like the whole episode just felt so much more theatrical than the other episodes oh yeah have. oh absolutely and another, especially with the songs but right and another this will lead us into tina the next no. Oh, I'm sorry. I, no, I was going to say this. It's your note that the scene in the car shouldn't have worked, but it does. And that, that was right. another very film noir scene. It was, you know, in the car, Jesse comes running in out of it's the rain. It's raining outside. And it's all, like, melodramatic. It's pure and, exposition. Yeah. But it totally worked. And that was another thing where the, the lighting and the rain and just everything, like, came together to make this amazing scene. That's, and, that's a really good point that I, I didn't think of. And, I mean, I watched the episode three times, <laughs> and, I, and I wasn't thinking of that stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, but no, I, I mean, that stuff that. definitely stuck out. The second I saw that Brian Ryan and, and Sue Sylvester scene, I was like, this is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. all, like just all the horizontal lines cro- crossing their face, and it was just all very – it all came together really, really well. And, and so then we could talk about the Rachel, Jesse, Adina thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, or Shelby thing. I don't really want I'm to just going to call her Adina. <laughs> I'm sorry. Shelby is belongs to Steel Magnolias, and that's it. She's yeah. safe there, and that's good. Uh, yeah, so Rachel is looking for her birth mother. Kind of. At Jesse's prompting. At Jesse's prompting, yeah. Which, which sort of comes out of Brian Ryan also, because Brian Ryan's like, what's your dream? And then Jesse pushes, and he's like, Rachel, what's your dream? What's missing in your life? Which, actually, that was a really sweet thing that we said to her, was. was that, like, you know, oh, you being a star is an inevitability. Like, yeah. you're, you're going to make it. Which, coming from him, is a really big thing. Because yeah. he... I mean, obviously, he's Supposedly. somebody that also assumes he is also going to be a star, but at the same time, like... Yeah, it's a compliment to her. Right. Uh, but yeah, but now we get this not really out of nowhere. We haven't heard anything about it since episode one when she kind of introduced herself as, right. you know, having two dads and everything else. Um, but it, it, I totally bought it. Again, even though it came out of nowhere, just uh, her performance and kind of, again, like just the look in her face when she's talking about it, when she's doing her little ballet was like, yeah, I would totally believe that a 16-year-old girl wants to know who her mother is. Yeah, and that she wouldn't share that with that many people. Right. Especially somebody like Rachel who's so proud and proud of her dads and proud of her family and Mm -hmm. everything else. Uh, first of all, we need to see her dads already. Yeah, Come can on. we have? I mean, we saw them in a picture in her locker. But that's nothing. But we can need we to please meet actually meet them? They have a Rachel Berry museum in, the in basement. their basement. We need to see these. We men. need to meet them. Absolutely. The um, so yeah, she is suddenly decides to look for her mother, and of course decides 
through research that it's either Patty Lapone or Bernadette Peters. Right, because she did a CSI-like investigation. That's right, a real investigation. <laughs> um, I I loved the references to Patty Lapone and Bernadette Peters because yeah. they just made sense. And it is, you know, I mean, the pieces could have fit. And <laughs> in an alternate, maybe side story episode, maybe Patty Lapone will guest star and sing I Dreamed a Dream with her because that would be great because Patty Lapone be. was like the original Fentine. Side trivia note, musical theater geeks. Um, so now, yeah, Jesse. Now let's talk about Jesse, because now we're we Jesse once again proved us wrong. I'm making the saddest face right now. She looks. Erica looks really sad. <laughs> like I'm really, really upset. Kind of looks like Erica had a really great ice cream cone, and it fell. And like a really mean boy came over and like <laughs> just knocked it over. Yeah, and it all fell. Because I, I, I really, really did want, I really wanted Jesse to be a good character. I mean, I mean he is a good character he's because... He's kind of better than we thought he may have been. Yeah. Because at one point it was like, oh, he's using her for vocal adrenaline. Right. Well, no. But he's, now I'm... He was using her as an acting exercise, which I yeah. think is kind of amazing. <laughs> I find that really humorous. Uh, but he likes her. He does. Which I'm, I'm happy about. But now I'm also... I'm... More so nervous now that Shelby isn't really her mother. I don't... Yeah, Shelby is totally confusing me now. Yeah, because... I mean, because we did have that whole scene where she she made out with Will. So if she was really trying to get her daughter, like, would she have just made out with her quiet... Like, I feel like that felt, like, so secondary to what she was actually trying to do. Like, it shouldn't right. have actually happened. Like, if she was really focused on what she was trying to do, she wouldn't, she wouldn't have done that. If she really was so concerned about finding, you know, getting in touch with her daughter. And my other question about her and her motivation and her intention is she says she can't contact Rachel until she's 18. But she's so why does she 16 need to years. Wait. Yeah, why can't she wait two more? Why can't she wait two more years and then just get in touch with her and not have, I mean, then we wouldn't have a show, obviously. But it's, you know, what? where's her motivation there? And that's why it's making me nervous that maybe she isn't, isn't really her mother. Her mother. And she's just trying to get her onto vocal adrenaline and away from Will Schuster and and New Directions, and that will I think will make me even sadder than oh, Jesse just you know using her. I mean, it, it redeems Jesse a little bit because I feel like you know he like he really believes he's still going to have a moment. Yeah, yeah, and her I mean, mother. I still wonder. Well, I guess now we know he gets out of it. He got purely an acting exercise out of it, right. and it seemed like something nice to do. Blah blah. But, oh, wow, do I wonder. Oh, you've made me doubt. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, I want her to be her mother. It's it's incredible casting. I, I want right. that to be it. But but the whole thing makes me very nervous. That, And we only have, what, two more episodes for this all to come to fruition? Two or three. Two or three, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, next week, I guess we maybe we'll find out a little more because she definitely yeah. meets her definitely next meets her. week. She, the preview was Leia Michelle telling, you know, Adina, I am your daughter. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, but you have to make me so sad about that. Oh, God. It's like my dream. It's like I wrote down my dream on a piece of paper and then had to throw it in the garbage at the prompting of Neil Patrick Aww. Harris. Thanks, Erica. Sorry. But at least you met Neil Patrick Harris then. That's true. I did. I feel like that would be a highlight. I suppose it helps. And I can go see him in the local production of Les Miserables. Exactly. Totally. Which, whoa, competition is fierce. In that town. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because if you know Les Mis, there are a lot of male parts in Les Mis. There is Valjean, which is the part that Will got. But there's also Javert. There is also Jaurès and Marius. And, like, 
like three more active speaking par- singing parts in male parts of the musical. <laughs> Brian Ryan. And Brian Ryan was delegated to Townsperson who says, Hooray! Yeah. So oh, well, that's why he wanted to name the episode. Of right. course, because it's a great line. <laughs> Uh, so this, uh, who knew McKinley, what town are they in? Do we ever know? Uh, Lima. Lima. Okay. Lima is. to be a Lima loser. Lima loser. Uh, Lima is a very competitive town to be a musical theater fan yes, in, or performer in. So, I mean. Maybe wow. all Ohio towns are. If anybody is from Ohio and wants to let us know, like, should we not go there if we want to audition for the local production of A Christmas Carol? Let us know, please. <laughs> Um, my cat is meowing, so if you hear that, she's angry and has something to say about Glee. I don't know what. She's a big Tina fan, actually. She does. Uh, so she, I think she wants us to talk about Tina and Artie. Okay. Um, Tina and Artie, I thought, when you were talking about the lighting and everything, I thought you were going to talk about their kiss in the, like, near the bus. Tina and Artie have, like, a sweet moment where she's wheeling him outside to the bus and, like, she kind of, like, tells, this is, I can't remember what, I think, is this when she gives him the research? I don't remember. That's when she, that is. Okay. Outside, um, yeah, but it yeah. ends with, like, them kind of talking and, like, kissing. And, like, they're kissing and it's cute, but they're also kissing and the sun is, like, setting behind them. So the sun <laughs> is, like, shining between the two of them when their I heads move. And it's really cute. <laughs> it was a very, like, romantic little moment. They're very they, cute. They are. And they were pretty adorable this episode. Because they were also, but, like, kind of sexy. Okay. No, like, it kind of seemed like she's like, you're always trying to get with me. And it kind of seemed like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, they're lines. a couple. Yeah. I'm in a wheelchair, but I'm still a guy. Exactly. But, um... He still has full use of his penis. Tina really made me angry this episode. Because, uh, you know, Artie is a pretty rational character, I feel like. I feel like he's come to terms with, with his disability, and he owns it. It's not like... He, he knows who he is. Yeah, he, he's Barry. not super... He's not, like, pathetic about it, and he, he doesn't mope around the school. You know, we have the episode um, where they try to get the bus for him, and he's like, yeah, I do want to ride with everyone. Like, he, know, he knows he's... he's he knows he, who he's he is. very comfortable with. He's very comfortable uh, with, with knowing who he is, who he is yeah. and 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 he's a a big person because you know that same episode we have him say, you know, I'd I'd rather use the money for this. I forget what they use it for. I'd rather right, use the money right, for right. this than ride on the bus. I'll go with my dad. Blah, blah blah. Like I, I feel like he's a very grounded character. And then all of a sudden we have Tina come in and be like. There's all the I found all this information on the internet where we know everything's true. But come on, when you're 16, it was very sweet yeah. and it was well intended. But it really bothered me. It really, really. She. Yeah. I think she was. I. She bothered me so much this episode because it's so mean to give him so much hope. And then Emma looks like the villain because she's like Artie. Like. Now is Emma, it, as I put in my notes, is Emma a killjoy or a very responsible guidance counselor? I think she was a very responsible guidance counselor because yeah. you can't you can't get this kid's hope up, hopes up that he's gonna you know in four or five months he's gonna be walking like, you know you. I, and I feel like before Tina said all this, Artie had come to terms with it, and he was a very well-rounded individual. And then she, you know, she gives him all these hopes, and then just sma- they get smashed anyway. I suppose. But it's like the nature of, you know, you're in a relationship, you just always want to make that person a better person. I know, and I, and I understand that. I understand her motivation, mm-hmm. but I just think, I, I feel like she could have been more mature about it. I, I mean, yeah, from our point of view, yes. But from, like, a 16-year-old who's in this new relationship and just 
really, you know, is like, because the scene where she's trying to dance with him was mm-hmm. like a really sad scene. It was. Where he falls, where he falls. and he's like, don't help me. <laughs> like, just get out of here. Like, you're like, watching it. You're like, oh, God, this is going to kill me. Joss Whedon, why are you doing this to me 10 minutes into the episode? But, and like, for her to see that, it's, you know, it's hard on her. And her reaction to it was, I'm going to find a way to help him. And yeah, obviously, yes, Tina, you are a 16-year-old sophomore in Ohio. You do not know the medical answer to your boyfriend's paralysis. But it it kind of fits that she would try. And I mean, yeah, what what else are you going to do at that point? I don't know. Where am I going to find help? I guarantee she went to Wikipedia for her answers. I'm sure she did. But, so, yeah, I don't think it was wrong of her to do it. I think from an outsider's point of view, it was, and, you know, a little irresponsible, but I don't think it was intended to be as such. So it didn't, oh, cat, get down. Um, That bang was me just tossing my cat to the ground. She's the one one that lands on all fours. The other one does not. Uh, So, yeah, but I thought it was still sweet. I thought they, like, moved. I like that... Because Tina and Artie have just kind of been like a background couple yeah. the last few episodes. And I really, I like this rotation now that Glee's kind of getting into. Because mm-hmm. it looks like next week we go back to the Finn-Kurt thing. Right. And I kind of like this sort They're of... They're very good at balancing all the storylines. Yeah, the balancing storyline is really starting to take shape. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with that. Yeah, so now, um, is that all the plot? Should we move into the song? Sure. Okay. Uh, now the first song was not a full song. I don't think it's going to be released on CD. It was not released, which makes sad. me very sad. Because it was, of course, um, patron saint of Long Island's Billy, Billy Joel, Joel, Piano Man. Yep. Now, which apparently Brian Ryan sang at regionals by himself. Alone. Alone with the, with the piano, piano. Which I would have killed to see. Yeah. Now, on one hand, I'm kind of glad they didn't sing the whole thing, because it's such a long it song. It is a very long song. Uh, but it was still a tease. It, it was yeah. such a tease. It was. Because it was great for the two verses that it lasted. I My favorite part of it was, like, the drunk, surly man sitting at the bar that just looked so annoyed by yeah, it. Yeah, rolling his eyes. Uh-huh. Because it really is, like, when you go to a bar that kind of does karaoke, but doesn't really... And so when you do karaoke, there's always, like, the one person there that just wanted to drink and is like, oh, fuck, somebody's like, actually no, singing these here. these are singing. Yeah. And that was this guy. Yeah, which apparently happens a lot in Ohio because everyone wants to be in musical theater. Oh, that's true. So I'm sure I mean, they break into song at Keep in mind, they do have a cabaret roller rink. They do. So I kind of want to move to Lima. <laughs> Man. Uh, so that was Piano Man. It was nice. It was a, a, a sign of things to come. Yep. Moving on to the next song, you which, again, is not really a song, but I just had to mention it. I love Big Spender in there, because it was the total thing that somebody would sing when auditioning for regional theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that this woman had, like, slight choreography <laughs> with the fingers, because it's probably exactly what I would have done if I was singing it. Uh, I have not in... We talked back a few episodes ago about... Um, Back in high school and college and post-college, uh, my friends and I used to get together and mm-hmm. sing Broadway show tunes and record ourselves and dance to them. We did once do Big Spender, but I did not sing it. I was actually the um, the man who they were all trying to seduce and get to order them as a prostitute. Uh, but had I been one of the girls, I probably would have done the finger thing that she did. Um, still, it was great. And I, what, what upsets me is that she's not credited on IMDb in this episode no, list no. as a guest star. Whoever she is, I'm sure she was cast as Madame Thenardier. 
in Les Mis, and we'll sing a kick-in rendition of Master of the House. With that said, should we move on to, um, oh, what, wait, what did they sing? Dream on. They sang Dream on. (laughs) It made baby Jesus uh, wet himself, which he probably does a lot because he's a baby. Incredibly hot. It was. Will has buff, buff arms, and I think that's why they put him in the t-shirt. That's why I said I would come back to it. But the Mm -hmm. vest, lose the vest. But No, the vest worked because the vest was like... The vest felt rock star. Okay, my definition of rock star is a <laughs> pleather vest, apparently. But his vest wasn't pleather. It was, it was just, like, it looked, cotton. Oh. But it, it worked because it had movement. And it worked it in contrast movement. to <laughs> right, Brian Ryan's, run. like, sort of biker-esque, yeah, biker uh, like, leather. His, um, his uh, aviator jacket, right? Is that what that is? I don't um, know. My sense his of fashion is jacket. not, is, like, animal sweaters, so... Um, but yeah, it, every, it was, it every just, time oh. Will sings, I am reminded of how incredibly sexy Matthew Morrison is. He is. Like, he's not my type. He's, no. he's skinny and kind of clean, but because <laughs> I apparently like fat, dirty men. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. When he sings, he just, he's, I'm like, oh, he's God, sexy. My, my crush is, is renewed. And what I loved about Dream On was, first of all, I love duets. I absolutely love like duets that are not necessarily romantic duets, mm-hmm. uh, especially male, male, female, female duets. And so that in itself was great. And I loved it built and built and built mm-hmm. and built and then just popped and I vomited happiness. <laughs> Didn't taste so good, but when I ate it again, it tasted even better. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. It, in just the, like what, what I love, my, my highest point about this episode is that Joss Whedon and Neil Patrick Harris, the thing I love about both, I mean, I love many things about both of them, but one of the things I've always loved about both of them is that they're both just musical theater enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. And Joss Whedon always kind of talked about it and then got to release it in season six of Buffy. And Neil Patrick Harris was not like a trained uh, performer at all. He was Mm -hmm. a child actor. I don't, I think he eventually like took vocal lessons but he was not one of these like kids that like these glee kids who were right. probably raised on ballet classes there and everything else. For it. He was like in his twenties, was like, you know, having trouble finding work and really wanted to perform. So he started auditioning for like rent and everything. Mm-hmm. And um I've heard him in interviews since then, and there was a great interview with him, um with uh uh American Theater Wing does a podcast. And they had one when he was in Assassins, and there's one with him, and him just talking about kind of like how he came to it. And he was just always a fan and really disciplined himself to learn how to be a musical performer. And so, like, this episode is that. It's just him doing it and Joss Whedon doing it, and Dream On is just the the perfect moment of that. It's like the staging of it, the yep, all the camera movements, the, uh, the camera, the crescendo, the moves, the the f- final notes, the lighting, the lighting. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah, it was great, and it, it got better to me in multiple viewings. Like I was just able to listen to different things mm-hmm. and really hear it. And th- now here's the question, though: Who would you have cast as Jean Valjean? Do you think the dry cleaner cleaning businessman made the right decision in giving I think Will? He did. I, I do too. I was strangely more drawn to Will's parts than right. MPH, even though I 
Ugh. Right. However, I, I will say for fans of Les Mis will know that um, Jean Valjean does have one song where he sings in a really high register, which Neil Patrick Harris would have killed. Yes, he but, would have. You know. But I, I, did, I did actually feel like Will's parts were stronger and like yeah. I had... He was more I magnetic. Love, I love when... I love... That first part, you know, in the middle of the first verse where, where Neil Patrick Harris breaks in and starts mm-hmm. singing, but I think it could have been a little bit stronger because Matthew Morrison starts so strong Yeah. that then in comparison, and it, you know, it could just be the difference in their voices too. I might just be more drawn to Matthew Morrison's mm-hmm. voice, but I think, I think Neil Patrick Harris's part could have been pushed more. I got gotcha. you. That first part. Yeah. Later on in the st- song, he does catch up, but in comparison to the to how in that beginning, to how he Will started start it out, he doesn't. Did. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, should we move on to? Oh my God, the next one. The this, this was just the be- happiest, great song after great song. God. This episode, it and is- I, I think. Um, like, people can disagree about other episodes, but the songs in this episode were so fucking good. Mm-hmm. So Safety Dance was next, and it was like, dream on, amazing, commercial. Come back, yeah. you're like, oh, God, what am I going to do now? I don't know, I don't know. And they're like, oh, bam, Safety Dance. dance. <laughs> uh, okay, now, obviously, I, I loved this, episode, this moment yeah, so much, as everyone your did. Your boy's in it so much. My boy is prominently featured Mike Chang, and not just because he's tall and wearing a, a yellow flannel shirt. But who knew that, 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 I don't know the actor's name who plays Artie, I forget it off the top of my head oh, right now. Oh, I do too. Who knows, who knew he could dance? Like, they cast him to be in a wheelchair, there was no reason yeah. for him to be able to dance. You're totally right. dance, like, Kevin McHale is Kevin McHale, who I think is more of like a, I might just be guessing this because he was on The Office, that he's more of like a, um... Uh, sort of like improv actor kind of guy who, you know, probably is just an overall performer. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, he can really, really move. He busted a crazy move. It, I feel like it's such a waste to have him in the wheelchair now, even though I love him as Artie. Like, I know. I want him just to have a lot of fantasy sequences. Yeah. Wow. Can we start calling him by his nickname, according to IMDb? Was she Special K? Yes. Totally. Okay, Special K. But that's just... Seth Green in, in Oh my God! Can't hardly wait. He 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 was member of a boy band called NLT. Yeah, yeah you didn't do you know, know that? who those are? I don't know who are? it is, but I knew he was in a ba- boy band. Oh my I God! I that. didn't know that. That's amazing. Uh, oh, and unlike his character in Glee, Kevin is not wheelchair bound. Thank you, IMDb. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, IMDb. Um, crazy. Whoa, <laughs> crazy with a special K. That wasn't all CGI. Him dancing. That that well, I mean, Joss Whedon's done. You know. Uh, but this was so good. Now, the other thing I really liked about it, and I kind of, again, I noticed it more the third time around, was that, oh, I don't know if everybody was in it, but so many of the Glee so Club kids were in there. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize what a good dancer Britney was. I didn't, well, At first, I thought it, I couldn't during... tell if it was Britney or Quinn, uh, and then it, it was definitely Britney. Uh, we see Britney, but we see Britney dance during... We do, um, in, in Ice, uh, Can't Touch This, and Ice Ice Baby. Yeah, but, and also as early as um, Bust Your Windows Out. Well, you want to know like that's the right. lead cheerio. She kind of started out as a dancer, and yeah. I just I looked her up before on IMDb. Guess what her previous career was? A dancer, backup dancer for Beyonce. Oh, that's crazy. So it makes perfect sense yeah. that she like started on the single ladies episode as being the one. Featured. Um, the one Glee kid I noticed. I, I was the only one I kind of picked out was Mercedes. Mercedes, Tina was there too. Tina was, Tina was there. there. But Tina was Matt Rutherford was the there. Uh, yeah, and I saw Matt. Uh, obviously, Mike Chang was there. Yeah. I didn't notice Quinn. I think Puck was there. I may be wrong. I don't know. But it was just like, I, I liked that they were all kind of sprinkled in there. It yeah. was just so fun. It wasn't like. It was. You were just and I love the smiling whole, like, and. Flash mob 
mm-hmm. you know, esqueness of it with all the cell phone footage. I love that it was and, in a shopping mall. Yeah. And I, lo- I loved all, like, the people's reactions. Like, I wonder if they actually filmed it, like, as a flash mob. Right, right. Like, I wonder if the people in the mall knew it was going on or if they were just like, all right, we're, we're filming like, and we're going to... Look shocked and take out your yeah, cell phone. And we're yeah. going to break into song. It, it felt so much like that. It it's, it's a testament to Whedon and, yeah. you know, choreography and everything else. Because I think, didn't, didn't, like, Lisa bring up that one of the songs this episode was, like, being performed live? Like, they oh. weren't... Was it her who brought it up? Maybe. Lisa, call us and tell us. Because I, I feel like... Someone told call us. Call us that, right now. This yeah, is live. Call us now. No. Um, no, it's not. Well, no, or not call us and tell us, but write us in and tell us. Or, well, you or call Erica better. and chit chat, oh, and then yeah, like Erica will me. remember to um, tell us. <laughs> anyway, my point was I feel like she told us that one of the songs they didn't perform to a recording that they actually performed it. But that okay. might have been one of the Matthew Morris and Neil Patrick Harris things. I don't Maybe know. it was like Piano Man or something like right, that. Right, Maybe right, that's, right. That oh, that could have been that it. it was that. Right. But, um,. But this was still just. But this was amazing. And I mean, best thing of all was, of course, the cut at the end of it, which you knew would happen. It was so sad. So heartbreaking. I've never like. It was so Whedon. Like it was so Joss Whedon, where he just like gives you like one look of a character, and he's like, "Fuck you," and it's like, (laughs) "Oh God, these were your." Why did you have to do this to me? I just shattered them. Yeah, like a look in Willow's face, and you're like, yeah. oh, God, Dawson Hannigan's crying again. I can't take it. Like, that and was like, it. Like, cut, pretzel. So cut. fast from, you know, so happy and fun, and then all of a sudden you're, like, hysterical crying, and you're like, yeah. why are you doing this to me? Yeah, he um, hates us and loves he us. He does. He's an evil, evil man. He's, you know, it's it's fitting. I forget this, that Joss Whedon got his start with Pixar. Because mm-hmm. Joss Whedon was a co-writer on Toy Story. Right. Uh, and, like, you think of, he didn't write Wally or Up, but, like, both of those films and Toy yeah, Story have, have that, that. that same aspect. Those moments of, like, you're watching it, and, like, you could be a five-year-old watching this movie and enjoying it, because it's about childhood, or right. it's about, like, like, you know, relationships, or this. And it is that simultaneous, like, pure joy with pure sadness. And, yeah, it hurt. Um, speaking of the next song... Yeah, it was um, I Dreamed a Dream. From Les Mis. Which I said already, I'm not familiar with Les Mis, so I wasn't familiar with the song. You never heard it before? No. Oh, wow. And this is like... I also have that issue where I don't like ballads. (laughs) Oh, but... but And it was performed beautifully, and I appreciate it for what it was, but I don't really have that much to say I guess this is a matter of taste, because I... Like, Les Mis was the first Broadway musical I ever saw... It was the first Broadway musical, like, I ever listened to the soundtrack on Constant. And this was that, always my favorite song from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in, like, all-county band in fifth grade, I got to play it on the flute. Like, <laughs> this, you know, is just, I, I, I love the song. It's a really interesting vocal song because it's a, I guess, mezzo-soprano song where it's high notes, but it's, like, the high E and so I see, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so from a Broadway geek standpoint... You take, like, one of the greatest songs for a female and you give it to two amazing Broadway singers. And you stage it on a stage. Like, you make it theatrical. You make it so simple. You give them, like, matching hairstyles. Mm -hmm. It's mother and daughter. And the the history of the song, to digress to Lee Miz territory, is it's the character of Fantine who had a baby out of wedlock, we're in like 1800s France, uh, couldn't pay for her, so sent the baby to live somewhere else and sends money to the baby. 
And Fontaine is singing about how, like, I love you, my daughter, but I'm so sad that I had to give you up. That kind of thing. And obviously, that's... It applies. It applies very much. So, obviously, a little bit of it was lost on me. But... And not I mean, I appreciated me. it for what it was, obviously. I didn't hate it. Am I going to wow. pop it on my iPod and listen to it all the time? No. But that's just me. Don't mind me as I put a voodoo curse on Erica. Hi. It's not. Know. It has nothing to do with the song. Your I think negativity was, is hurting me. I'm not trying me. to be negative about it. I just, I just... You made Mookie cry. I'm sorry. Look at him. Look at him. You can see him. He's got his little head, like, crunched I'm down. I'm asleep. He's, he fell asleep from crying. That's why. Anyway. Oh, you're a terrible person. I'm not a terrible person. Terrible I've never person. seen Lee Miz. It has no... Yeah. Well, like, anyway. I think of a metaphor. It's like taking someone who has... Here, I watched Top Chef Masters this week, which I don't usually watch, but nothing was on and I was bored, so I watched it. And one of the chefs is from another country in Asia somewhere. I don't, I don't remember his name. Racist. But he was from Japan, I think. But I don't know which one, so I'm trying not to be racist by saying he was just from Asia. And I he, think um, he was Asian. And he, their their challenge was to cook at a tailgating party at a at a college game, at a college football game. And he had no fucking clue what tailgating was. So he came out and he basically turned his grill top into a stove. Like, so he didn't really complete the challenge. But everyone else was like really excited to make tailgating food, and it meant nothing to him. Like he had no. That was actually a very good analogy. Yeah, that was had, a good cultural... Uh, no context for what tailgating yeah. was and what it meant to him. And it's the same thing for me. Like, I, I do like Broadway shows, but I wasn't brought up on Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't go when I was younger. Right, so you don't have that... Like, I think right. the first Broadway show I saw was Rent, so it's I don't have that context to put it in. Right, so it's, it's the way I don't connect I to a lot of the, the modern stuff right. these kids are singing. I wasn't being negative, I just don't have the context to put it into. There. I feel I'm very proud of that intelligent metaphor. Eric is getting like <laughs> a you go girl sign right now. No, that's a very good point. Yeah. And again, it's why a lot of the other stuff gets lost. Like this episode, totally everything about this episode worked for me because it was all old school and Broadway. It was mm-hmm. Billy Joel and Aerosmith. and Aerosmith and like, and you know, Les Mis. Like it was all stuff I knew, right. stuff that I have some kind of connection to one way or another. Whereas, yeah, the Madonna episode, like, the new stuff kind of fell flat for me. Like, yeah, so, okay. We can okay. still be friends. Thanks. Uh, last song was... The other bittersweet song. Dream a Your little, little dream. dream of me. Sung by Artie. Oh, while was my little voice was cracking. Tina danced with the other Tina Asian. Tina danced with the other... Well, the best dancing. No, I know. Okay, come but on. But it, it felt very... This, this was my... I said I have a bone to pick. Who's at the door? I have no idea. <laughs> um, somebody's buzzing my door. It's weird. Should, should we keep I talking or should I don't know. pause it? Um, it could be. No, because it's probably. If I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No, see, I've had people like ring my bell and be collecting money for charities. And I never trust them. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're coming in. It's okay. Okay, let's pause. Hold on. <laughs> Okay, we're, we're back. Home invasion complete. Erica wants to talk about Asian dancing. <laughs> well, I was just like, I, I don't know. It felt so forced. Like, why did Tina have to go and pick the other Asian to dance with? Like, are Asians good tap dancers? No, because Mike Chang is the best dancer there. I know, but it doesn't And it makes sense. You're like, going to, like, you're doing a dance. You're going to choose the best dancer. Doesn't it feel a little forced? And Mike Chang always gets picked. Why can't Matt get picked? Now Now we're going to split off and I'm oh, going to be Matt. Man. And you're going to be Team I'm, Mike. I'm Team Mike Chang. No, I love that nobody ever calls him Mike. He's always Mike, Mike Chang. Chang. 
Um, yeah, but and apparently, um, like at first, I thought like, oh, it's probably because maybe um, Harry Shum Jr. is a great tap dancer. But according yeah, to his Twitter, because now I follow him on Twitter, um, it's my way of oh, and he totally has like a contact me on his website. So we're gonna get an interview with him. We are. We're gonna hear him speak. All right. I'm gonna email him and be like, hey, we want to hear your voice, Harry Shum Jr. All right. I should stop talking about him now because if you ever listen, he'll ever get listens, really creeped yeah, out. And, do an um, with us. Or um, maybe slightly turned on. All right, so moving on. The one one moment, I mean, I did like this song overall. I was going to be like, one moment I did like, but I, I did like the whole song I overall. I loved it. But I love that Quinn is like yeah. fulfilling her role as a mother. Like, you could see her growing as a person and like becoming more adjusted to motherhood mm-hmm. because she. She she sees that Artie's right upset. when Artie's voice cracked as and he was she, like, singing. She just gives just him that little touch. Give him give him a little touch. Yeah, and which it, was, it was really sweet. Like, oh. I yeah, yeah, I I love Quinn a lot. And um, oh, do you want to get the door? Down? Yeah, hold on. And we're back again. We're back for the third time. Um, for the behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, we had an interesting uh, uh off air excitement. When my boyfriend came in and informed us that there is was a bird stuck in a glue trap outside of my apartment building, now let, let's get serious and be a, um, a a message show, if we will, for a minute here. Glue traps not acceptable. Not acceptable. No. Very inhumane. Now I've had mice before in apartment buildings, not in this one, thankfully. But when I did, like I got the snap traps because the snap trap kills you painlessly and it's done. Yeah. A glue trap is going to imagine yourself, if you will. You are Debbie from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, the Dream Master. And you've been turned into a cockroach, which is very unpleasant. And you're walking down the hallway, and you fall, and you're stuck to something. It's really gross. It's icky. It's gooey. Probably smells bad. Worst of all, you can't move. And no one's going to come feed you. Nobody's going to feed you. I mean, maybe if you get lucky and, like, a rat dies next to you, you can poke at that if you can reach it. You know, if your neck is long enough to do so. Now you're just going to starve to death. Which is a very inhumane way of dying. Yes, but thanks to Google and some vegetable oil. That's right. We, the bird has been freed. Yes. It is probably about to get eaten by a cat. But at least we gave it a chance. That's right. And now it's nature taking care of itself as opposed to man's weird artificial technology. And animal control does not come out for birds because apparently they're not animals. Right. Well, animal control also keeps you on hold for about 20 minutes with really great radio commercials, by the way. By the subway hero. By the subway hero who tells you to get checked for colon cancer. Yeah. Uh, And then it rings for about, that was about like 30 rings. Yeah, it had to be like three minutes. Yeah, we just let the phone keep ringing because it seemed like we were on hold for a long time. So it's probably somebody's going to answer it. And then somebody picks up and says, we don't come out there for birds, ma'am. And And that's that's just about it. So thank you, vegetable oil. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I, so think I love Dream a Little Dream. Dream. Yeah. Uh, I guess I I was okay with it being Mike Chang, not just because I love Mike Chang, <laughs> um, and not just, I I don't think it was the Asian connection. I think it was generally just like I'm going to choose the best answer. All right. All right. Very sweet. It I was. It. Okay. So our highs of the sh- the episode, uh, aside from the entire episode itself. Yeah. A uh, few of the things I already talked about, so I will not talk about them again. Um, one thing I really liked, and now this is something for anybody who, uh, went to, like, was ever around a lot of theater people, is back in college, I, you know, was working backstage in a lot of shows, so I would always hear the vocal warm-ups, 
which are usually really painful to hear if you're not doing them. Mm-hmm. And it's just somebody like going like, blah, 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 or, um, you know, doing me, like, me, my, 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 exactly. And I really <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. Or this, I remember this one woman at Fordham used to always do this, but she would just in a really deep voice go, one, two, three, four. And she would just count to 10 uh-huh. and then she would do it again. But like, a little little faster, but you would keep doing it over and over again. And the other one, which I still like to do when I'm bored, which is red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow. I can't, oh, can't man, out of practice. But anyway, I liked that both. Um, it was very fitting of, like, if you were a show choir kid, this is probably what you would do when mm-hmm. waiting to uh, audition. Um, uh, another high point? Um, a high point for me and you also, because you have it in your notes, was um, – Sue, you know, they kind of, as Sue's been this awful cheerleading culture the whole time, but then she has this crazy knowledge of, of athletics and teens, and it just kind of, you know, it's like, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago, like, we got to see Will be a teacher, mm-hmm. and we, we got to see Sue be an educator, yeah. which we haven't really seen before. Right, because yeah, only Sue is ultimately in it all for Sue, but she does believe yeah. in athletics as being something that's more important to children than the arts. Right. So, yeah, no, Clearly I... Clearly, they're yeah. both important. Right, as they both proved in a very uh, carefully scripted little argument that gave the benefits of both of them. Yes. So, any school budget, school board looking to cut either program would have a hard time deciding after this episode. Yes. Uh, although, Sue did also concede that having the kids skydive from a... The Cheerios skydive from yeah. a plane was a little much. It was a little much. Uh, I loved Kurt's. Now we had very little Kurt this episode, yeah. which is a little disappointing. But However, the little bit we had was great. Kurt's enthusiasm for the denim jackets was great, and Santana's enthusiasm for the tearaway pants <laughs> was pretty great. Yes. Um, the other, the other looks like I only had two other little things that I wanted to add. This was just one line reading of Neil Patrick Harris that I loved which is when they were at the bar and he was talking about how unhappy he is and the way he sounds out. Uh, And I noticed it a couple of times that Brian Ryan was like very sharply spoken, that he Mm -hmm. said every syllable. And when he says, I am miserable, (laughs) and he says it in four syllables, which I loved. And then uh, my last favorite line of the episode was when uh, Artie is telling Tina that she should pick somebody else as her dance partner because every other guy in Glee Club can dance circles around him. Well, yeah. maybe except Finn. Yeah. <laughs> um, for, for me, the, my highest note this episode was just Artie. He just gave, yeah. I, I think Artie really is my favorite character. He just gave such a great performance. It's so it's so bittersweet, and I think that's hard to achieve. And he was just my high note for the entire episode. Yeah. Um, low notes? Tugged up my heartstrings a bit. Uh, my low notes? Rachel was born in 1994. Yeah. I, that makes me feel old. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I was, I was, I was, I was 11 like, in 1994. I was playing Street Fighter in yeah. 1994. That made me feel very, very old. It really did. Like, I, yeah, no, I didn't like that one bit. Um, arts for sports. Oh, as much as we just said, we really liked that moment with Sue mm. and uh, Brian Ryan. It did feel a little bit written. It did feel a little bit like... Let's throw this point out there from the writers to the audience <laughs> of arts and sports are both really important. So a little bit, but not as bit. much as when Will was talking to Brian Ryan and told him that Glee. 
Oh, it, it helps. It's about expressing yourself to yourself. Well, that's what I found <laughs> hilarious was when, right after he says that, uh, Brian Ryan, like, like drops his head on the bar mm-hmm. as if, and I assumed, I laughed the first time because I assumed it was him being like, oh, my God, please stop talking. But instead, it, like, really like, did affect him. Yeah. He's like, I'm miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I I liked the um, conversion group. I wanted mm-hmm. more of it because I, I just find that hysterical. And I like the idea of that. It's like, you know, kind of this little parable for, like, the, you know, like, gay conversion groups that mm-hmm. they have out there. Uh, I, I It was a nice Molly Shannon touch. It was. I'm not the biggest Molly Shannon fan, as I've said. But I liked that, you know, she auditioned for Guys and Dolls and had a total fame moment when um, Coco auditions and has to take her top off, even yep. though it you know, clearly you wouldn't have to if you were being Adelaide, although Adelaide does strip, but not like that. Uh, and I, as I said, I want more John Michael Higgins because I want him, I want to see him with Sue Sylvester. Because if, did you see A Mighty Wind? I did, yeah. Okay, because they're... Oh, wait, no, I didn't. Mighty Wind was the folk, was the Christopher Guest folk oh, yeah, music one. And the two of them are a couple in that episode, in that movie. And they have, they're both clearly very strong improv, very strong comedic actors, and I hope to see more of them. This was that the first time we saw him, right? Yeah, he just popped okay. up out of nowhere. Yeah, so I, um, I'm, pr- I'm confident we will see more of him. My low note for this episode kind of applies to this whole second half of the season. Um, even though I'm enjoying it more now than the first couple of episodes, I, when, did we ha- when did we start having episodes where the title of the episode has to play into every song that we sing? You know, the first half of the season, we had all these, I don't remember all the names of the episodes, but Wheels, for example. We didn't right. have to sing songs with the name, with the word wheel in the title. Yeah, the themes didn't have to be so, so obvious. So forced upon us. And that that's kind of my, my low note at this point in the season. Um, it's I think it's gotten to that point, yeah. With this episode, it kind of, it kind of pushed it that much further. Well, and I'm glad that next week's episode is called Theatricality, and we're not singing songs about the theater like well no but it's it's, clearly a theatrical episode next week but well what's funny about that is um on an unrelated but related note i was reading uh entertainment weekly's article this week about the sex in the city and i i hated the movie i I don't want to see another movie of it but something they were talking about some of the episodes and about how like the the formatting of each episode which got very formatty and very annoying Mm -hmm. where it was like carrie starts writing about something and narrating and you know exactly what the theme of the episode is and the last line of the episode was always exactly what the theme was for Mm -hmm. the whole episode and how like they did one episode where they didn't have to do that because it was so clear in the episode that it was all about like supporting somebody so they didn't need to have that line um I think Glee needs to give a little more credit to its audience that that we can figure. We it out. don't need to hear the word dream or home or yourself every other line to mm-hmm. know that this is an episode about being yourself. This is an episode about finding your dreams and an episode about like having a home. So yeah, I'm I I appreciate the idea. It's the kind of thing like it's like a first draft where. It's you put that in there when you want to be really clear about what the episode's going to be, and then you start taking it out and making it more subtle. Yeah. And they can afford to do that, and I wish they would trust that they can. Yep. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think that was all my low notes. I had a few stray thoughts. The only one that we haven't talked about yet. Um, something very interesting, I thought. The recap at the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's like, what you missed on Glee, uh, showed a lot normally... It kind of goes back and references it just what is gonna, stories. Yeah, gonna what, what's going to be? So you would have expected them to show maybe Will and Terry or Rachel and her mother or you know this, but instead it was just continuing what they've been doing. So they show Kurt, 
you know, it talks about, you know, uh, uh, Kurt was, was really upset when his father and, and mm-hmm. Finn's mother were dating. And uh, Mercedes and Puck started dating, but then that ended. Well, which was really weird, because that's not referenced at all in this episode. Right, but was there, I mean, does the, this, this episode doesn't really pick up any pre-existing storylines. Because we haven't had Rachel looking for her mother before. We haven't had Will interacting with Brian Ryan before. That's true. So it was kind of just, so you know, this is what happened a, last like, week and time to continue from here. Yeah, maybe. Because it's funny because yeah. I often hate those, especially for some, like a show like Lost where they'll use that, you know, 20 seconds mm-hmm. to sh- tell you essentially everything that's going to be in this episode. Because right. they call back to things that you, like, would have totally been really surprised about. at during the episode to see, but instead they've already told you about them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was just my only other observation. Yeah, I think we're good. Okay. Um, so, so our question of the week for this week. Mm-hmm. Now, this episode was directed, not written by, but directed by Joss Lola Whedon. Joss Whedon. Now, who, just throwing it out there, any writer, any director, who would you like to see write or direct or write and direct an, an episode, episode of Glee? Yeah, you can think out of the box, think inside the box. Tell us at uh, GleeCast, with a K. With a K. At gmail.com. That's right. Um, This is something I brought up on Twitter that I keep forgetting to bring up. If you guys want to send us a voicemail, per se, in quotes, you I know lots of other people who listen to us are also podcasters. You're more than welcome to record an MP3 and send it to us. And Erica will figure out what to do with it. Play it on the show, in theory, if it works out. But no, it'll work out. Um, So yeah, you're more than welcome to do that or email us. Well, obviously, you'd have to email us either way because you have to email us the MP3 file, but at at, um, GleeCast at gmail.com. That's right. Um, follow us on Twitter. That's right. Uh, Deadly Dolls. And Erica's name, Erica with a C. Deadly Dolls with a D, D. and another D. And another and D. Two L's and an S. Um, popsyndicate.com slash forums and scroll all the way down to Gleecast and participate. Yeah, participate. It's, that's fun. Yeah, it's very fun. There's a few fun threads going on right mm-hmm. now. Um, yeah. Oh, I had another dream about Glee, but it wasn't very exciting. Oh, I just had to sing in my dream, and it had something to do with Glee, but that was it. This was a pretty anticlimactic ending. Once the bird I'm sorry. Got caught, the, the, was there, was a, there was like a, a, there's a dying bird outside my apartment. Yeah, so we're going to go through everything a wash. See if it's alive. And um, thanks for tuning in. I love in. you. Yeah, that's how Sue sees it. Bye-bye.